Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, real briefly, I have just a couple of announcements, and then I'm going to be sharing something that will actually piggyback on what Myrtle just talked about. Um, uh, Really two big announcements. Number one, just to let everyone know, uh, as of this past week, Stephanie uh, is no longer working all the hours she was working before. If For those who've been here for a while, you'll remember all the way back in February, we had announced that Stephanie was going to be cutting back to six hours a week. Um, That did not happen (laughs) due to the coronavirus. Uh, In fact, her number of hours went drastically up to try and keep us online and the website working and every week producing all the videos and the children's videos and everything else. So we're just letting everyone know she is only doing media now. So if you have something for Prayer Platoon or Bridge, none of that goes to Stephanie. Now, we have a new uh, administrative assistant that will be starting this week. Uh, her name's Sarah Campson. Sarah will, will, will get to introduce her to the congregation at some point, I'm sure. But we just wanted everyone to know that, that that's going on. And so you, you no longer need to, uh, and please do not try and contact Stephanie with the things because they're no longer her uh, thing. So in fact, the old Steph at brcc.church, that, that email does not work any longer. Uh, that stuff will be forwarded. So I do also want to say, yes, she is my daughter, but uh, I want to just give a big thanks to Stephanie. She worked really hard. Um, Keeping all this together during 2020 has been quite challenging. It was not anything anybody had anticipated. Uh, Stephanie, fortunately, had been very proactive and had learned how to do green screen technology to work with video stuff and was working with everything to keep us going uh, while taking care of four small children and keeping two of them in school and and i mean in taking care of seamus which is the biggest job of all i mean (laughs) just kidding just kidding he he was no problem but i just want to say thanks to stephanie she worked harder than you can imagine there were a lot of all-nighters so that we could all gather on Sunday mornings to uh, try and do that. So if we could give her a round of applause. And one other thing is I want to say thanks to the congregation for the way that uh, you have continued giving and laboring and working. This is a scary time being a shepherd right now because everything feels so disjointed. Uh, But the congregation has continued giving financially to let us keep supporting missionaries, for us to keep working the way we're working out in the community right now with the pop-up pantries and just caring for folks uh, and just people checking in on each other. We are really, really appreciative. It's wonderful that we just had a council meeting uh, the other night and we're not having to sit there and say, giving's down by 50%. What are we going to do about this? Uh, and that's thanks to the congregation that has been so faithful. Uh, we are greatly appreciative. I tell you, give yourselves a round of applause, but, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump in, and we're going to talk today out of Psalm 19. Psalm 19, this is not going to be part of a series. It's just going to be kind of a, a one-off uh, teaching. I'll explain why I did it in just uh, a couple of moments, but you're going to see how it tags on to what Myrtle just shared, actually. Psalm 19, it's going to be up here on the screen. I'm going to be using the New International Version. 
Um, and uh, we're going to look at it together and talk about the fact that uh, he is there and he is not silent. So hear now the very word of your creator, your redeemer, your Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. One of the things that I do a lot of years, and I've been doing this especially in recent years, is I pick a significant Christian author, and I spend the entire year trying to read as much of their works as I can. A couple of years ago, it was C.S. Lewis. Last year, it was St. Augustine. And this year, I've been reading through Francis Schaeffer. So I've almost finished the third volume of the five-volume set of the writings of Francis Schaeffer. Uh, if you don't know who he was, uh, Francis Schaeffer lived from 1912 to 1984. And he was a key thinker, particularly during the period of the 19, late 50s, 60s, uh, and 70s uh, in the evangelical church because Schaeffer effectively spoke to what was going on in the 1960s. Now, it's pretty interesting that I'm reading him in 2020 because if you remember the 1960s were a time of great unrest. There was great turmoil in the culture. There was great moral shifting going on. There was a sexual revolution that was happening. And into that, this strange little American man with the goatee who liked to wear knickers like he was constantly hiking around the mountains of Switzerland, which he did do quite a bit, suddenly he became well known because he had a unique voice to speak to his culture. And 
he became well-known within evangelicalism because he opened the eyes of many evangelicals. Up to that point in time, evangelicals didn't think much in terms of worldview. They had very little understanding or appreciation of art uh, or of philosophy. And Schaefer, as it were, kind of landed like a bomb within evangelical circles to start explaining that all of these things describe where we are now. And if we'd been paying attention to art over the last couple of hundred years, we wouldn't be surprised. And the reason I'm ready and can speak to these young people is I've been paying attention to the art, to the music, to the, the things that are influencing them. And so it's, he's really could speak to our day as well because we're in a very similar time. And early on, Schaefer had uh, three very important works. And one of them was entitled, He is There and He is Not Silent. And those three works really run. I mean, I'm three volumes in and I've actually read much of volume five before. And I'm seeing the same themes over and over and over again. That's one of the advantages of reading an author for an entire year. And those three early works of Schaefer's, really the rest of his time is just kind of echoing those themes. And one of the key ones is on this idea that God, he, he is there and he is not silent. God exists and he is speaking and everything else in reality flows from that. So we want to talk today about how has God spoken to us and how do we respond to that. And when I thought of that, I thought there's no better text than Psalm 19 to go to to discuss that. So let's start by digging into Psalm 19. Now, the first thing that the psalmist tells us is God speaks in creation. God speaks in creation. Notice in verses 1 to 4, we're told, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. So notice here, he uses the phrase, and he's doing parallelism. I could have written this up there the way, you know, Hebrew poetry always is. He kind of says one thing, and then he reiterates it and kind of expands on it a little bit. The heavens and the skies are speaking of creation. But of course, as well, when he says day by day and, and night by night, this also reminds us going back to Genesis chapter 1, where we're constantly reading about day and night, this, this constant refrain that is going on there. And so the psalmist is trying to tell us, I'm speaking first about creation. But there's a particular thing he's telling us about creation, and that is that God is speaking to us through creation. So notice all the uh, phrases of speech here. There's not only creation, but if you look up on the screen now, you can see that the heavens declare, the skies proclaim. Uh, that they're pouring forth speech. They are displaying knowledge. There is speech and language and their voice two times in a row goes out. Their words to the ends of the earth. The, the repetition here is meant to let us know I'm speaking about creation, but I'm speaking about a specific thing. If you will listen, creation is speaking. Creation is speaking because God is there. He is there, and he is not silent. In fact, he is speaking constantly, day and night, wherever you are, God is speaking. The difficulty is not finding a place where God is, is speaking. The difficulty be finding a place where he was not speaking. And in fact, the psalmist tells us there is no place God is not speaking. Through creation, 
God is speaking to you and I constantly. So the problem is not that there's a lack of revelation or speech coming from God. Now, in theology, we speak of this as general revelation. So I'm going to teach a little theology for a moment. There's two types of revelation. This first type is general revelation, and it's called general revelation for two reasons. First, it's general because it speaks to everyone. So notice in verses 3 and 4, there's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. These two verses are teaching us everywhere people can hear from God. No matter what language they speak, no matter where they live, no matter whether it's day or night where they are at right now, the speech of God through creation is accessible to them. And so this is general revelation because no matter when or where people live, every human is in touch with God's word in creation and is therefore confronted by the fact of God's existence. To use Schaefer's phrase, he is there and he is not silent. And the psalmist is telling us you can understand and know that for a fact. It doesn't matter whether the person's illiterate and they can't read. They can. It doesn't matter if they're physically deaf and they can't hear. They can hear God's word in creation because it's immediate. It's available to them. So it's general revelation because everybody has it. And as you know from our congregation, because we're always praying for missions, does everybody have the scripture in their language yet? Sad to say no, they do not. But no matter where they are, revelation is available because of creation. But there's a second reason why it's called general revelation. And that's because it's general because it only reveals the most basic facts about God. That he is there and we're accountable. That's the content of this speech, so to speak. So if you notice in the first section, it's pretty general. It just says they're declaring the glory of God. In verses 7 to 11, we're going to see it's going to get a lot more specific. It's going to keep breaking down and all that repetition as we were going on. The law of the Lord is this way. The statutes of the Lord are this way. The testimony of the Lord is like this. We're going to get a lot more specific. But here it's very general. And in fact, Paul teaches the exact same thing in Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1, at the very beginning, as Paul's going to be laying out the gospel, he begins with God's revelation and creation to say, whether you're Jew or Gentile, no matter who you are, God has revealed that he is there, that he is powerful, and that you are accountable to him. So here are Paul's words in Romans 1, 18 to 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from, notice, heaven, we're dealing with creation, against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Okay, God himself made it plain to them. How? Um, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Notice everything in this passage is speaking of God's revelation and creation. None of this is yet about God's revelation in his written word, which we'll come to in a minute, and Paul does come to in Romans 2. But he begins by saying, Every human being knows that God is there. 
Every human being knows that God is powerful. And every human being knows that they are accountable to God. So Paul says they are all without excuse. So I'm not trying to belittle when people say they have struggles, but when someone says, I just don't know, liar. You do know. Deep in your gut, you know. But I'm Richard Dawkins. I'm Christopher Hitchens. You know. Because God says you know. And so God is right. Let God be true and every man a liar. It is impossible to be a human being in the creation that exists and not know. And the scary thing that we learn from this is on Judgment Day, we're all going to stand there and you know what's going to happen? Have you ever been in an argument where, I mean, this probably hasn't happened to y'all, but sometimes I'm having a discussion with my wife and suddenly something is said and you realize you're wrong and, and it gets really quiet because you realize, oops, you did tell me to do that, okay? I read about this in a book. And that's the way it's going to be on Judgment Day. All these people think, oh, I'm going to stand there and I got some questions to God. When it's revealed, the mouth's going to shut. Because what they're going to realize is, I did know. I had no excuse. I knew. And Paul says, notice that when we do that, because it speaks of God's existence, his deity, his power, and his wrath. Paul says, what we're doing is, we are suppressing we're, we're changing the dial. I don't want to hear that. I put my fingers in my ear. I'm going to talk about something else. I don't want to believe this. This is speaking of the law of God. God's law is revealed in his written word, but it's also revealed in creation. And it is fearful to you and to me. And that's why we try to suppress it. But every single human knows that in the depth of his being that he is there and he is not silent. Now, let me say just before I move on to, to the written word, this is actually good news for you and me. This is why when Myrtle can go talk to a person, you will not meet a person where there is not already something within them that is reaching out, that is crying out, that they may be trying to suppress, but it is there and it wants to know that God is there. It knows that he is there. It wants to respond to him. Every human being you meet that is going on already, long before you got there or I got there, not because I was smart enough, not because I had good enough arguments, but because he is there and he is not silent and they cannot get away because they are part of creation. Every cell in their being is saying he is there. He is not silent. And everything they are in contact with in the outside world says he is there and he is not silent. That is the state of every human being you are going to come into contact with. We, we need not worry. You don't really have to convince them of that. They know that. That's part of what Francis Schaeffer was doing. All these young hippies on drugs and everything else would show up at his place, and then he would just sit down and have conversation with them. And all of their defenses would get stripped away because what they were doing through the drugs and through the sex and through all the other stuff we try is we're trying to suppress that knowledge. You and I have the privilege of just trying to kind of strip that away and say, you know he's there. You know he's speaking to you. 
regardless of what they say. And one of the most amazing things to me is watch some of the people that seem to be the farthest from God, and then suddenly you find out they've become a believer. It's because some of the very things that made them appear so far from God was they're railing, they're trying to suppress. So that's the first part. But secondly, God not only speaks in creation, he speaks in Scripture, which is what's known as special revelation. So notice in verse 7, the psalmist turns, and he suddenly starts speaking in Scripture. And so he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. The precepts, the commands, the ordinances. He lists all these different terms. And this is in Hebrew because they love, in their poetry, they don't make it rhyme. They just keep saying the same thing and turning it a little bit at a time so we see it from every angle. And they're saying, whichever way you consider God's written word to us, with their phrase in the very first one, the word their law, is the word Torah that you've heard of, or or the Torah of the Lord, which doesn't mean law like we think of. It's more really instruction. God's instructing word is here. He says whether you're considering it as the instruction, the statutes, the precepts, the commands, the orders, whatever way you turn it, look at God's word. God is speaking to us. And so this entire section that he's moved to from the creation, he's now speaking about the glory of God's written revelation, God's written word, the scripture. And notice to show that it's not only more specific because there's a lot more terms that are used and everything else. Notice in the first section, we're just told the heavens are revealing the glory of God. And then after that, God's kind of just referred to in the third person. But notice here in verses 7 to 11, we move not only from just kind of a general thing and it's only once, but we move specifically to Yahweh, the covenant name of God. So when you look up here, and I've got six times the word Lord highlighted and underlined, that is the word Yahweh, the covenant name of God by which God revealed himself to Moses and to all of Israel, the name by which he said, I am your God and you are my people. This isn't some generic, maybe there's a God out there. This is the covenant God who reaches out and redeems his people and brings them out of slavery and into relationship with him. And notice that one time God was mentioned in the creation, here it's six times, and we're going to see a seventh time to make it the perfect number in a few moments, but, but it's not just God, it is specifically Yahweh, your covenant God that is here being spoken to. So we're moving from a general knowledge that God is there to the fact that he is the personal God of Scripture, Yahweh, who reveals himself clearly and specifically and covenantally to be in relationship with you and me. And so this idea is known as special revelation. And it's special for the opposite reasons why the other was general. Number one, it's not automatically available to everyone, okay, which ought to keep you and I praying, not only for Roger and Marilyn, the missionaries we support through Wycliffe, but just all the other work that is going on to get the word of God into the hands of people. That is, that is such a huge need. Because if you notice from what I said earlier, what you can really get out of creation is the law. What you can't get is the gospel. You need the written word of God. 
And so we need to be praying that it would be there because it is so much more specific in its content. It's so much more detailed and it reveals to us the gospel. We learn that God is not only our judge, but that he is our redeemer and our savior. We learn that yes, we have our sin, but what we could never learn from creation. You remember what what Tony talked about a few weeks ago in Isaiah, where the lamb is going to lie down with the lion. You don't learn that from nature. Only God can reveal it's going to be that way because when we look, what we see is judgment. What we see is death. What we see is things that are wrong. We can't learn that God is our redeemer until we turn to the scripture. And so because we can learn not only the law in scripture, but also the gospel, notice how much overflowing the terms are here regarding the scripture. We're told that the law of the Lord is perfect. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commands of the Lord are radiant. The fear of the Lord is pure. And the the orders of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So as wonderful as God's word in creation is, it is far surpassed in beauty and glory and content by the written word of God in Scripture. I don't have my paper Bible up here, but I've got it here on my, my iPad. Friend, you ought to thank God every day for the written word of God that is available to you and me, that is all of these things. It is radiant. It gives light to your eyes. The reason you are here and you are a believer is because God revealed himself to you in the word because you would have never known otherwise and all we would be is the society of the suppressors. That's all we would be. We we would want to push it down. We, We wouldn't want to know. When I was a young believer, we were talking with some friends the other day, when I was 16 and God was reaching out and drawing me And I found out later from friends that whenever I would drink too much or use drugs, all I started doing was talking about Jesus, apparently. I wasn't even a believer yet, but I was under conviction. But thanks be to God, I had started reading the Bible. And as I started reading the Word of God, I went from being under conviction to finding out, man, I can be free. I can be the child of God. It was like Pilgrim's Progress when when a Christian gets to the cross and that thing drops off. What? freedom there is from the word of God. That's why the psalmist goes on in the next verse and says, man, this this stuff is like honey, straight honey from the calm. It is so sweet. It is so good. That's what the word of God is to you and me. So we should be grateful for God's word in creation, but we should be far more grateful for his clear, piercing word that includes the gospel to us in the scripture. And so notice what God's word does if we turn and we look in the New Testament again, I'm gonna look at another passage of Paul. Um, Well, in a moment I will. But God's written word in scripture is so much clearer and it leads to a personal relationship with God through Christ. See, when you hear people who are like, you know, well, my church is in the woods. If you start talking to those people, there's no content to what they're talking about. And you start like, there's not really a personal relationship with God. But the point of what God is doing in revealing himself is not that you and I would have some kind of generic out there thing. He wants to know you. He wants to talk with you. As a, as a man talks to his friend face to face, God wants to speak with you and with me. 
And that's what comes out. So notice in verses 7 and 8, the psalmist tells us this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, making the soul alive. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. This is the idea in the Proverbs. You know, the simple one is the fool who doesn't know who God is, who doesn't know my thing, but the Scripture can make you wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. All these are ways of saying that the Word of God can convert you and me. It can take us from being children of darkness to children of light. It can take us from being children of Satan to being children of the living God. And all of that can only come through the gospel. So all of these terms are pointing towards conversion and the initiation of a relationship with God. Creation can let you know that God exists, that we are accountable, that we have failed the law. But thanks be to God, Scripture not only proclaims the law even more clearly than creation does, but it proclaims the gospel. And who would have known the gospel? You would not figure out the gospel, and nor would I. This is not a story we would have written. And so Scripture's given that we might come to know God through Christ. That's why it's there. The Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy. This is right before the famous verse that all Scripture is God-breathed. This is the verse before. It says, Timothy, from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I remind you, when Paul wrote what we call 2 Timothy 3.15, his Scripture was the Old Testament. The New Testament didn't exist yet. Paul's saying when you're reading the Psalms, they are to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. And friends, if we don't read it that way, we're missing the point of the Word of God. They make wise the simple. They point us to Christ and the salvation that is found only in Him. And so this is why we have the written Word of God. Now, how do you and I respond to this? And then I'll be very brief in applying the Word. Our response to God's word is given here in the psalm. And the response is we're called to hear and heed God's word. Notice in verse 11, by them, these commands and ordinances and everything else, is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. See, God's word uh, warns us and it gives us promises. There is law and there is gospel and they are both there the the warning of the fearful judgment that should await us and then the promise of reward uh, for us and we have to give attention to both of those and so the psalmist goes on and says okay when i hear this and i pay attention to this and rather than suppressing it what does that lead to it leads to confession and prayer and relationship between the psalmist and god So notice how he turns in verses 12 and 13. Who can discern his errors? And the answer is none of us. You you and I are expert at hiding our errors. Who can discern them? God can. And God can through his word to us. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. So notice here, it's not just, I got the faults that I know about that I need you to forgive, but you know what I've realized now from being in your word? There are faults I don't even know are there. 
I'm not even aware that those things are there yet, but I need you to forgive me of those things. And then he goes on and says, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. So God's law is revealing sin in us and its pervasiveness. I didn't even know I had these. Lord, I'm realizing that, that I am rotten to the core. There are problems all the way down. But it's also revealing the gospel. It's giving us hope that God will forgive our sins, though they are so many we may not even know them all. See, the psalmist didn't get to that from creation, but he did from the Word of God. He said, you know what? My sin is deeper than I ever thought, but God is more gracious than I ever hoped. And so I can ask him for forgiveness. And so it changes him. And the psalmist says, I don't want to be ruled by sin. That's the effect of God's word in you and me. It's not just, well, this is great. I sin, God forgives, everything's good. Now, when I, the more God speaks to me, the more I say, I don't want to be ruled by sin because it's inherently distorting and destructive, and it messes everything up. Oh, God, don't let me be ruled by sin. And so the psalmist tells us that because this is a description of a relationship. He's saying, because of God's word, I want to know and love and walk with God. And as we walk with God, we desire to please him. And in fact, the psalmist desires to please him not only in his outward actions, but even in his inward thoughts and desires. Notice in verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my what? Redeemer. Oh Lord, now that I know the gospel, now that I've seen this, and it's greater than ever, Lord, it's not just my external actions. I want my every word. I want my every thought. The, the meditations, the very things that are hidden and nobody else knows, I want them to be pleasing to you because you're my rock and you are my redeemer you have brought me you have justified me you have saved me and i might point out here it's O lord O yahweh seventh time this is the effect of all these six times that the Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken. The seventh time is when it comes back and it's in prayer from us to God that says, Oh, Yahweh, my covenant God, you who keep covenant to a thousand generations, you have been faithful when I have been unfaithful. Lord, I want even my secret thoughts. I want you to look at them and say, that's pleasing to me. That's the effect of the word of God in our life. It's the effect of the gospel. A growing desire to know God, to walk with God, and to be pleasing to God. So how do we apply this? I'll be real brief and we'll pray. Two things, number one for us personally, we wanna to respond to God's word personally. You see, this turn at the end of the psalm reminds us, it's one of the things I've loved in reading Francis Schaeffer all this year. He was known for all this philosophical stuff, but he's always driving back and saying, this is not about a philosophy. It's God wants to be known. He is there, and he is the personal God. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, has always been in relationship, and he is wanting relationship with you and me. And so the end result of this is not, I got it, general revelation, special revelation. I could talk about the two reasons why for each one got it. The goal is 
I know God. I walk with God. He is there, and he is not silent, and he wants to walk and talk with you and with me. Not, not with somebody else, with you. So he is there, and he is not silent. Am I listening? Because if I'm not, if I'm not hearing, it's not because he's silent or he ceased to be there. Because apparently I'm not listening. Am I opening up? Am I hearing? This week, I want to encourage everybody, take time to hear God speaking. 2020 is a disorienting year. All of our schedules are disrupted. I've talked to more people who are like, I never know from one day to the next what day it is. Okay? Whatever day it is, it's a good time to hear from God. Whatever day it is, it's a good time to say, you are there, you are not silent. Speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. So this week, I want to encourage you, open his written word. I encourage you when you go out in creation, look at that. Maybe get up one morning and watch a sunrise or do something. But especially, open his written word. It is clear. He is speaking. And let it point you to Christ. Because that will have that effect of stirring up a desire to be with him. One of the things I love when I get to go on vacation with Linda is when we get time just to be off by ourselves, it's an it's a increased reminder, this is why I love this woman. This is why I want to be with her. This is why I decided I wanted to spend my whole life with her because I like her. Well, when we get in the Word of God, it's a reminder. This is not a terrible thing. That's why this is sweeter than honey, okay? You might have to work to get your kids to eat Brussels sprouts. No parents had problems getting their kids to want sweets, right? That, that's not our problem, man. We are, we are born liking that stuff. That's the way God's Word is. And if we will open it this week, it, it scratches that thing in your soul and you say, oh, that's right. You are easy to love. I do want to walk with you. I do want to know you. This is joy to my soul. So let's do that together this week. Second thing, and we'll close. This is encouragement to do exactly what Myrtle was talking about. Look for opportunities to share God's word with others. Do not be afraid. Whatever's going on in the news, Whatever they are saying about sociological studies and what's happening out there in the culture and what people are thinking, he is there. And he is not silent. He is speaking. He is speaking to every person you are going to run into. You will not run into a person this week, this month, this year. You will not run into a person before you draw your last breath that God was not there and was not speaking. That will never happen. Not because I say so, but because God has promised it. He is there and he is speaking to them. They cannot escape his voice. No matter what they say, no matter what the outside things are going on, and if you go back in your own life, I mean, I am telling you, the weeks and months prior to me becoming a believer, nobody would have picked and said, this guy's on the path. I looked further away than I had ever been in my life. I wasn't even raised in the faith, but I was running hard in the wrong direction because I was trying to get away. Thanks be to God, the hound of heaven 
was on my path, and he is far faster than I am. And he is out there, and he is speaking to everyone around you, and deep inside they know. We don't have to accomplish that. We get to come in and see, here's the thing. What they know is they know the law. Deep inside they know that he is there, that they are accountable, and that they don't measure up. That's what they've got. You and I get to come and say, but there's the gospel. He is there, and he's a redeemer. His grace is far greater than your sin. And the very thing you are looking for, that you are running around and trying to find in a thousand different places, you're looking for him. And he's here, and he wants relationship with you. That is good news. That's why it's called the gospel. You and I get to bring that in. We're, we're, we're not just bringing in bad news. And sometimes Christians are we're so busy, you know, wanting to walk around with, with signs telling people the law. They already know the law. It's written in creation. It's written in their heart. It's already there. Sometimes maybe we have to repeat it to them. But our, the dominant note needs to be the gospel. Let them know the good news. That's the privilege we have. And so let it bolster our prayers, give you confidence, whoever it is, God is at work. He is there, and he is not silent. Let's stand together and pray, and we will close. Lord, how grateful we are that you are a God who is there, and that you are not silent. Lord, we are testimony of that fact. Lord, we are not here because we are wise. We freely proclaim we were simple fools. We are not here because we were more righteous. Lord, we freely own up to the depth of our depravity and sin. We are not here because we were more powerful. Lord, we recognize how weak we were. Lord, we are not here because you needed us. But, oh, our God, we needed you. And, Lord, we are grateful for that time when we heard the gospel, when its light broke through, when it gave life to our soul, when it was sweet for the first time to our taste buds. Oh, God, we are grateful, oh, Yahweh, our covenant Lord, that we know you not only as our judge, but as our justifier. Not only as our creator, but as our redeemer. Father, we thank you. We can call you that. Would you please speak to us this week, Lord? I pray for every one of us as we open your word. Lord, remind us to sit and say, speak, Lord, your servant listens. And Lord, let your word open up. Point us to Jesus Christ and all his glory and sufficiency. And then, Lord, would you reform and reshape our desires so that the prayer that arises out of our heart is may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of my heart, may everything from inside to outside, my thoughts, my words, my deeds, may they be pleasing to you. May they, may they be walking after Jesus. 
And Lord, we pray for those who we are trying to share the gospel with. Father, I pray for the people that we're serving each week, the pop-up pantry. Lord, I pray for the people that I know, Tanya and Danny, have been praying for week after week after week, talking with Lord, giving out Bibles and doing that. Father, would you please reach out and draw them into your kingdom? Father, it doesn't matter whether we even know, but it matters that they know you. Oh God, hear and work. Father, for every one of us here who've got somebody on our heart and they seem so far off, it seems like they are shut off from you. It seems like they, they have proclaimed they don't even believe you are there. Oh Lord, you are there and you are not silent. Lord, speak to them. And though they would be like Saul of Tarsus, running hard against your ways, even persecuting your very followers. Lord, you can speak a word from heaven, reveal yourself to them, and change them in a moment. Oh God, hear our prayers. Lord, for our friends, our neighbors, our family, the ones we love. Lord, you saved us. Have mercy, oh our God that they would know you as their redeemer. Father, we ask that you would do this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for your glory and for our good. Amen. Amen. Now, friends, I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Go forth full of God's word and blessing and be a blessing and spread his word to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.